Stop, stop, wait, 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 wait. This is a special <laughs> Miami Nice Light the Fuse meetup. So we're not doing the main theme today. I got something equally special. I secretly love this song, by the way. Yes! <laughs> Miami Nights. Light the fuse. Limp Biscuit. Holy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Light the Fuse 200 Victory Lap. With special guests, Drew Taylor. Exceptional. Charles Hood. Exceptional. And my exceptional co-host, Katie Walls. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to my Wow. Thank you so wow. much for being a part of the show. Wow. We're so proud of you. Oh, my goodness. Quite How an introduction. How are you? Welcome yeah. to the show. We Thank have morphed into the Z100 mornings. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Is I love Elvis it. Is Durand on here? Yeah. I love okay. it. I love it. We've yeah. got a soundboard. We built a soundboard special for you. We're so happy to see you, <laughs> folks. If you don't know what Light the Fuse is, it is the... Well, it's the best Mission, Impo uh, Mission Impossible podcast on the internet. It has been going since 2018. It is a weekly show where Drew and Charles, uh, who are our guests today, go through and deep dive on all the movies, the potential movies, talk to the guests, talk to the directors of the different films, even De Palma, for God's sake, Brad Bird. We got Bird yet? You've had Bird a couple of times, no? Just once. We had him for, yeah, we had a long interview with him oh, in the fall of 2018. It's very long. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a almost like a, a, his commentary for Ghost Protocol, which he never <laughs> did a commentary. So it's kind of the <laughs> next best they, thing. They've had McHugh on there a million times, but most recently, I was extremely, extremely lucky because we can safely say this. I had sort of this fairy tale moment with Michael Mann coming on One Heat Minute. And then I saw a cryptic message from both these two on their social feeds. And I was like, what happened? Tell me what happened. I knew something had happened. And I'm like, your crypticism does not work here. I know the language that you're speaking. And I was very lucky because the little teaser trailer of both of their reaction where Tom Cruise is like, hey, guys. And they both go, oh, my God. <laughs> I got to see that like a week or two out. And I literally watched it 40 times. I was at my son's birthday party. <laughs> And I'm just watching it. I'm just watching it over and over again. I'm like, you son of a bitch. They pulled it off. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. So proud of you guys. It's just, I just, you know. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if we would have done that teaser if it wasn't for you. You, you suggested it. When, we, when I told you, like, we got Cruise, you were like, you tease it. what you got to do is you got to do a video teaser like two days before it comes out. People will go nuts. They will. And they did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> they will. And they did. Oh, yeah. so good to see you guys. And yeah, so how, like, talk about the hangover of uh, having Tom Cruise on your show. Did you truly, like, truly had no clue that he was going to be on for that thing? I know that you guys have been trying to work towards him eventually coming on the show, but was there any thought just even in the moment when you had that, like, lineup of these crazy guests that are all just sitting there, obviously, you know, I'm a member of the Eddie Hamilton fan club, so let's just uh, talk about Eddie, and you had Chris, and you've got, like, Glenn Powell and Tarzan jumping in on a Zoom call from a bus in the back of Italy, and you're like, oh, man, this is incredible. Nick <laughs> Offerman. But did you think, is there just, is there something? Is there hope? Is there something here? 
I mean, I think we had hope going into it. I think when McCory told me that there was no hope, then the hope was lost. Uh, and then it made the victory that much sweeter. I think going but, into it too, in the weeks leading up to it, I had a little more hope than Drew did. I kept bringing it up to him. I was like, do you think maybe, do you think it could happen? Like, do you think they're going to do it? They'll, they'll bring in Cruz. And Drew kept shutting me down being like, no, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I just thought there would be much more handle. I mean, I thought that if we got him, there would be a handling involved. You right. know, that we would have to okay. interface with his people. Yeah, approvals or, or something. Yeah. Yes. Go over questions. Right. Um, clearly that didn't happen as Charles <laughs> quickly introduces a bit that um, someone said was, someone texted me and said, the bit is so good that it failed because it is the Burj Khalifa failed bits. <laughs> and I, I thought that is... That is true. Well, well, this is why people might wonder why why are you doing a Miami Nice uh, light diffuse crossover? Because this is what happened. Michael Mann, exceptional. That's all. That's enough. <laughs> as tenuous as a grip as that I need. And thank you, Charles, for that sound grab. Because from now on, if I just need to, to have a short hit, Michael Mann, exceptional. Exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. Well, was that? I love Cruz's commitment to that bit was so great that he didn't. He didn't just say exceptional. He's, I think it was for Michael Mann. For one of the directors, he was like, wait, wait, what'd you say? What'd you say? And yeah, then I repeated yeah, the name. Michael. I think it was Michael Mann. And then he was like, exceptional. Like, I, I thought that was amazing the way he did that. It was so funny. Oh, God. Hey. I mean, it's interesting because like uh, you, you kind of hear the hope die halfway through the episode when you're yeah. when Drew, you're like, McHugh, Tom's coming on, right? And he goes, oh, Tom's at Wimbledon. Yeah. And you're like, I can hear you be like, and you're you're laughing. You're like, oh, he's enjoying his day off or whatever. But I'm like, oh, that's when the hope died. And so it makes yeah. it even better yeah. when he actually oh, comes can, on. I feel like you can hear the hope dying when I'm like, well, he could zoom from Wimbledon. I think I said something <laughs> desperate. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest, too. I like start because McCory was talking for a while after that about the titles and some other things. And I feel like I started to zone out a little bit because I was like kind of bummed. I was like, oh, man, I don't think. I don't think it's over. We're going to have Cruz. And then then suddenly he started to twist what he was talking about into Cruz and saying, you know, then your wishes all come true or whatever. And Cruz shows up on your podcast. And I was like, wait, what? That was absolutely insane. It was the best reaction possible because, I know, <laughs> I, I, like, yeah, like your actual excitement gets to show. And behind inside baseball, when I interviewed Michael Mann, they put me on a hold that was 10 minutes of silence. <laughs> wow that, was, that you, just would that would just add so much nervousness it, it would have yeah it, it would have looked like a video of james mcavoy in split like in a room by himself like surveillance footage of me in my office just like in a panic and then like going really inferior <laughs> like just going crazy because i'm like i can't hang up i can't do anything i just have to sit here and wait for this thing to happen and then it obviously happens but I think the surprise is so magic and the fact that you could capture it was just great. And the fact that it was shared, like, I think your joy, like, Oh my God. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that's like, that's like a great catch guy. Like just everyone who saw that trailer was just like, they all felt exactly like you. I mean, the, in like one, you know, molecule of what you guys are feeling because of all the hard work you've done and, and all of the, the kind of, um, the cred that you've built up with both the fans of the franchise and the people involved with the franchise. But, when you said that, it was just like, this is something why I want to talk to you guys and get you on the show and just shoot the shit. 
because it's just such a fun victory lap. You deserve to have a victory lap and it should be fun because you did it. It's really cool. Like now, like obviously now you're like, now what the hell do I do? But no, this is where the fun <laughs> begins. What happened? The, pre- the monkey's off the back. It's, it's, he's on the show. Everyone else can be quiet. That's it. Like that's, that's all that needs to happen. You guys can keep having fun with the show. Well, we, now we have just set up other mountains for us to climb. So, you yeah. know, we need to get the set. We need to, yeah. you know, do some other things, but yeah, we've got a lot of people. Yeah, still it is to nice. talk to. You got to get that yeah. David Fincher script. You got to find that script. Yes. That's one. Yeah. Of yeah I want to talk to David Fincher. I want to talk to Joe Carnahan, to Frank Darabont, all the people who like almost had missions that fell apart or whatever. Yeah. We need to get our crew on that. Oh, yeah, like, we've got, we've got, we have some. <laughs> We have some operatives who are extremely skilled in our discord. Sophisticated counter intel. Honestly, they bring us sophisticated counter intel drops every day to the point where I'm like, what the fuck? Where did you get this? Like CK found out who Michael Mann's cinematographer was on Ferrari already and validated it and has photographic evidence. I have no idea how he did that. I have absolutely no idea. Who, Who is it? It's exclusive in our Discord. Hold on, where is it? It's uh, Eric okay. Messerschmidt, the guy who oh, worked yeah. okay. did, for Mank. Yeah, and Mindhunter, yeah. right? Yeah, he did Mindhunter. He did the new Fincher, and he he won the Oscar for Mank. Wow. And he's like, he's like he, is, there an, is there a news outlet I can share this with? I'm like, I know a podcast will take that information. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did I just break the just news? Break the story. Break the news. <laughs> Always break breaking the news. news. And you know who I learned that from? Mr. Drew Taylor, I need to gas you up a little bit. Best interviewer in the game. I don't, I think that is untrue, but no, I it's, appreciate it. It's so true. I mean, you and I go back more than a decade. We came up, grew up together, uh, working for the playlist. So I know that you have been honed to dig up the nuggets of breaking news. And I know you, you know, you do all the junkets and stuff for the rap, but I just love your interview style. You have like a puckish quality. He's relentless. Yeah, I am relentless. Like I mean, no, but, just, listen, he was just grilling McCory. He was like, "Hey, McCory, so so come on, what? Who, who else is uh, in this movie? He would not <laughs> give up at all." I know. Well, you're relentless, but you, you have sort of <laughs> you have a, a playful, mischievous tone, and I think that's why he <laughs> yes. enjoys your dynamic. And it was really, really fun listening to it. And it was also really fun listening to you ask. Tom fucking Cruise to rank his hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just absolutely mystified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm no, so, I think I'm... he went with it. I think he went with it. Yeah. There's something that you do, Drew. This is like what's great about yourself. I love listening to you guys. Is um, when you are when you are positioning a question, you're asking the question, and sometimes I know that everyone does this. They listen to an interview, and you're like ask the question that I want you to ask. And what's good about good interviewers is that they sometimes fr- they get to the question that you want to hear and you're like, yes. And then you hear an evasive answer. So many people are media trained these days, actors, directors, sometimes, you know, they, they're kind of aware of their brand. Should I say the thing that I don't want to say? Da, 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 da. And I just love how you, you almost hold them to account for your audience's <laughs> dissatisfaction. It's like, if, if they answer the question, you're like, oh, so, so, so that's the answer you're going to give me? Is that- <laughs> and I'm just like, I well, can't believe the balls on this guy. I love. It. I mean, McCory is perfect for for to- for a Mission Impossible because he is so elusive and and he speaks in riddles and yeah. Uh, yeah yeah even emails. It doesn't matter what format he's speaking in. He is he is very uh, elusive. So 
you know, I was trying. Let's try it. I, I but that's like the dynamic of you just sort of like dogging after him and him evading your attacks is really fun to listen to. <laughs> listen, I will say, Charles, Charles can attest that that relationship has been developed by us over time. A lot yeah. of off, off the record conversations where we're just desperately trying to get information. Um, <laughs> some, it never works, but you know, it's, it's always good to try. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. No, and it, you can tell you have a rapport. It's not like the first right. time you're talking to him, obviously. So right. it's it's built up over years, and he clearly yes. enjoys it. He clearly enjoys it. Not overawed. That's the cool thing. Neither of you, with especially with McHugh, you're not overawed with him. Like it feels like you're more playful. Like you can bust balls because you've got a relationship. Like if if he that was the first time talking to someone, he'd be like, "Whoa!" But he just like laughs at you and goes, "Oh, that's interesting." Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Well, I, I look. I feel like we, in some ways, we we bring that energy to every interview, even if we don't, even if we just met the person. I feel like there's that's a mischievous true. quality to all of our interviews, <laughs> and there's a, like the dynamic between us. Like, I, I it, Drew's just kind of a madman, and I'm sort of the straight man trying to just keep it together, just laughing the whole time. Oh, that's and that's sort of what it is. And right, like, it's it, it's interesting because I feel like I don't know. It, it's it's uh, we've almost like we've become characters on this show. It's like different than <laughs> almost a little different than who we are in real life. But it's just a, it's yeah. a fun thing that we do. Well, it's also nice because there is so little pressure on these interviews, like. Yeah. I am not trying to get news. I'm not trying to like kind of sell whatever movie it is. It's like usually older people who have done these movies maybe a little bit a little while ago and it's just fun to try to get that information out of them or stir up some fun memories um as you both know and you know. So it's 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 a less pressure. It's more fun, just pure fun. Yeah, and you have time. You don't it's not like you have someone yeah. breathing down your neck for like a 12-minute interview or something. Right. Yeah, I'm not, we're not getting any, any slacks that say, you know, please rap or anything <laughs> while we're trying to get a good question. So it's, and then it's, you, you get Tom speaking eloquently for 45 minutes about filmmaking. That's like the most astonishing conversation I've ever heard, honestly. Because he's one of our greatest filmmakers, even though he's never directed yeah. anything. He is a great filmmaker. Katie, what do you, Katie, this is my favorite thing. I've adopted it. It's Katie Walsh TM. Katie, what do you call Tom Cruise's resume? Legends only. Legends only. <laughs> it's true. Cool. I mean, it's it. I'm Charles. I'm so glad you did the bit because I literally have a, a note on my computer that's like the directors that Tom Cruise has worked with. It's insane. It's insane. That it's on list. multiple occasions. I actually reckon it's on Miami Nice when we've spoken to, um, especially a phenomenal filmmaker and uh, like who has a great story, Justin Lieberman, who was an assistant of Michael Mann, and he worked on two man films back to back when he went there. He was in a couple of pre-pros for things that didn't go, but he did Collateral and then he did Miami Vice back to back. And like Justin was talking about the whole process and all those sorts of things. And we, so we digressed big time onto Collateral, but we were just talking about, and then I think that's when Katie coined the phrase. She's like, legends only. Like, look at his <laughs> freaking resume. It's just like, bang, bang, bang. Like, you can literally ask about any filmmaker and the fact that they're all, you know, he's got this little crew right now that are working on a few of his films and working and, and this collaboration with McHugh, it's like, it's a huge tip of the hat to him as a, as far as his agility and as far as how he can, you know, stay on the, stay on the train or if you like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Well, the other thing that paid off about Charles's bit is that we got stories about legend and color of money, which you never hear him oh, talk about. Ever. Yeah. I was like, I have to rewatch Color of Money like instantly. And I have to rewatch Legend yeah. instantly. Just listening to him talk about Ridley and Marty was like insane. Yeah, so the, good. Yeah. The Ridley stuff was just like, 
the way I, that I love paints on the lens. It's different to what's on the yeah. set and it's different to what's like in the frame. It's like, it's like when it like, and, and how it all feels on set. And then you go back and you look at the shot and you're like, Oh my God, that was so cool. And, and so I love hearing, it's like, yeah, ago. it was amazing. Also hearing him talk about um, like hanging out with Sidney Pollock in the edit for Tootsie. Yes. His like love of Tootsie that kept continuing <laughs> throughout <laughs> the podcast was so good. I was like, damn, yeah, I got to rewatch Tootsie too. I've just <laughs> two years ago, but I like, got to go back. Um, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Know, and- he just knows so much about filmmaking. Yeah, that's so funny that, you know, that became like a joke for a while that it was like, has Tom Cruise ever seen a movie? And it was like, come on, people, just no. Um, obviously, he has seen everything. But it was like, I guess it's hard for people to get him to commit to talking about certain movies. And so it was, it was amazing to be able to get him to do that. By all accounts, this was better than the Can retrospective. Oh, I yeah. think that we, I, <laughs> I think that, that that interviewer kind of lobbed softball questions and he didn't really have to talk about his oeuvre as much so i feel like that maybe we maybe we helped supplement that um the can experience for people if you look up kyle's very snarky live tweet of that uh (laughs) i will have to go i I missed that live tweet i'll have to go yes yeah check it out (laughs) It, it made me think a lot about how he is sort of like he i mean he is one of the last great movie stars and he is such a unique person because he knows so much about filmmaking he is like this connection to the past in in another era in a way and he's worked with all these people um who are no longer with us but i'm just like who's gonna be tom cruise when we don't have tom cruise he's not (laughs) allowed to die like he like he's really just like he is carrying the mantle for like the kind of filmmaking that we love and um, appreciate so much and that is seems to be you know like a dying breed so I just he's so important to me just for that alone so I don't know yeah. maybe it's Glenn maybe it's Glenn Powell maybe it is Glenn Powell maybe it'll be a protege yeah. of Cruz it's not gonna it's not gonna be I mean how this is a celebratory show. We don't want to. Oh God! Don't go dark. Don't no, go no, dark. No. <laughs> all I'll say is, like, even though I just went dark. All, all I'm gonna say is the 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 bar is so. I feel like sometimes the kind of exceptional, using his word, filmmaking that Tom Cruise does, especially in action blockbuster filmmaking, is like the bar is so low for all these other streamer stuff. Like I saw Prey the other day, which I think is terrific. And if you haven't seen Prey, you should absolutely see it. It's great. And one of the things about Prey, it's like it's shot in a place. And there are actors and they have makeup. (laughs) That's the bar. Like the bar is so ghastly and garbage and CGI mumbo jumbo bullshit pixels that just make no sense. And compared to just a trailer for Dead Reckoning part one or like him skipping around the Arc de Triomphe on on the cobblestone roads on a motorbike in Fallout or whatever you want, just pick a frame and you're like, that's movies, not this other garbage. And it's like, it, I feel like it needs to be a cruise protege. It's like being on a crazy set and seeing yeah. how all this stuff has happened and going, oh, that's that's how you do it. Right. right. Yeah, maybe Kaczynski will do it with the F1 movie and mm. that kind of aesthetic carrying on what was learned from Maverick, which we all, I know everyone on this call loved to death. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing hearing Cruz talk about the, in terms of action filmmaking that, comparing it to musicals and being able to bring that kind of character development into action scenes and into to little character moments of 
gestures and and the visual filmmaking that's like a you know harkens back to like you know to Harold Lloyd and silent films that they love to talk about as well. He has such a deep reference library that came through in in that interview that I that I loved. You know, all of his references and talking about musicals and comedy and everything and and how it all is part of his you know palette for making incredible action films was just so special so special to hear that yeah charles sent me a letterbox list that someone had made of every every movie that tom cruise talks about on life of views so we were like oh that's really cool so you can see yeah everything that he he referenced which is nice that's so sweet it's so cute (laughs) it's it's, um that's one thing i was gonna say is because we love eddie hamilton the great editor extraordinaire how cool like it was so heartwarming. I found myself like almost choking up when like Tom Cruise and McHugh are like gassing up Eddie Hamilton. And he's, and they're just like, he's, you're so great. Imagine Tom Cruise being like, Eddie, you're so great. You're so talented. Like imagine him saying that to you about anything that you do. Like Charles, Drew, you're so great. You're so talented. Oh, We will never hear those words from, we, we've never heard those words from anyone. So that would be just a huge breakthrough oh, then. But, We're uh, saying yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Charles is saying that. With, yeah it's it's good stuff um, no i mean the three of them have have formed kind of a hive mind it seems on these last few movies and it's just really heartening because eddie is as nice as he is talented so it's just so wonderful to have them appreciate him so much i don't know it's just really it's really lovely so so two things um one when is the eddie hamilton fan club shirt dropping on your merch store like when is that <laughs> happening because it was it was axed it was axed by the man himself oh, he said no. this is too much oh, yeah i know no. he's such a humble guy and i think he just wasn't comfortable with it and and two i can't remember which one of you said it in the interview but when you're like when you watch movies that are just cut by other people after you watch like an eddie hamilton cut movie you're like editing's garbage <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's just like so good now the film that we probably have the uh, now like a mutual crossover connection which is collateral so first we have to ask because this is miami nice guys do you love miami vice like surely i I know i've talked to charles about it but i want to get drew on the record you guys love miami vice right yeah i've i've been on the i haven't watched the the i know that you told me the specific mix and match of the miami vice cuts but yeah i'm a fan of both i think i like the longer one more um but yeah Scott you like the director yeah the director's got you don't like yeah I mean you lose Nam Encore Drew that's the only thing I know I know I'm torn with his and I was watching Collateral last night in in preparation for this I don't think all of his music choices are the best in that one (laughs) I Um, know I roast I roast the music choices but I've roasted them so much that now I've like I've I've come back around to loving yeah, them. It's kind of part of the charm. That's how yes. I feel the same way. I used to be like, oh, come on, what are these music choices? But now it's like, it's just part of the Michael Mann world that he creates. Like this, it's like what these characters are listening to or something. You know? the, the amount of audio <laughs> slave I've yeah. adored, you know, but now at this point I couldn't, I couldn't imagine collateral without audio slave. Yeah. I need to hear Chris Cornell wailing over the shot of the coyote. Like yeah. it doesn't work right. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it's it especially weird well. in collateral where when he's like, oh you like the classics and it's a song from like that year or something. You can tell that there was just some 
there was some disconnect uh, there. I've always, I've but... always that classics line is to just show how to show how out of touch he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's a much more generous reading, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but. But no, that's how I've always, that's how I always read that one. But no, the audio slave is right. And um, the audio slave is sometimes a little on the nose, but I was going to say, Katie, there's a great Miami nice um, chatter that we've had before about like the audio drops in the sex scenes, like in the sex <laughs> scenes on Miami vice, we've talked about a few times on the show, like in, in direct and indirect ways. And there's an audio slave one that happens during what is an absolute fire sex scene. But if you like, if you get taken out of it because of the audio slave, you're like, Come on, man. Just <laughs> let's just let's just get on with this. The sex scene is why we're here. Um, right. You guys are both fans of Miami Vice, of course. Um, so that's great. Uh, Charles, I've, I I wanted uh, I wanted Charles to watch a Black Hat cut. Uh, the our opening of our Black Hat hacker cut the other day. We'll do that another time. But you're a fan of Vice too. Yes, I am. Yeah, I I saw the director's cut first, actually. I think on Drew's recommendation years ago. And I thought it was okay. And then I actually, but I went back, it must not have been Drew, but someone else told me that they thought they preferred the theatrical cut. So then I went and watched that the second time. And I really liked that a lot. Um, in that same, what Katie was talking about, same kind of like the, some of the music choices and things are a little bit, but it's just like, it's part of the charm of Michael Mann now to me at this point. It's um, also such a 2006 movie and like you can't have a 2006 movie without Linkin Park <laughs> <laughs> playing in the, in the club. It was in the contract. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and, and there are certain like fashion choices and other things like the technology is so 2006. It's like charmingly, you know, dated in that way. But do you think Collateral, was that the last time Cruz was a villain? Was that before or after Tropic Thunder? It is before, before Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. So, Tropic, so Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Also yeah. before Lions for Lambs. See, I didn't see that. Is he a um, villain in uh, that? He's kind of a shitbag politician in that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But a true villain. I mean, he's a, a true, true psychopath yeah. in Collateral. It's that in Interview with the Vampire, really, for his yeah. big villain roles. Yeah, we don't yeah. really get to see him do that very often. I enjoyed hearing him talk about what it means to be the lead of a movie and what it means to be the supporting character and how he's yeah. allowed in the supporting character roles and the less Grossman performance and the Frank TJ Mackey to like be big and weird. And like, he probably doesn't get to do that very often. And that's fun for him to put on yeah. makeup and a weird outfit and, and fat do hands. something. I want fat, fat hands. hands. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or, and like, you think about like Tom Hanks and Elvis, like, that's gotta be fun for him to be completely out of pocket, crazy, wacky, Dutch Southern Colonel. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't begrudge them that at all. Yeah, it was so interesting the wording that they used for it. That you know, he talked about. He said the the responsibility of being the protagonist. It was, yeah, yeah, really yeah. So you can see how Les Grossman would be like Tom Cruise is like, yeah, I want to do that. That's totally different from Ethan Hunt and and uh, Maverick and all that stuff. So. Um, but yeah, I miss him. I miss him. I love him so much in collateral that I miss him doing that, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal in that movie. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's so good. Um, he just owns it. Yeah. He's, he's, I, he's having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is where our show can really, you know, connect on, on like a campfire. Can you imagine if there were audio recordings of Tom Cruise talking to Michael Mann on that on that set? Just like them talking. Yeah. I want to know everything. I want to know how they developed the 
the Terminator look with the silver hair yeah. and the silver suit. I want to know everything. Uh, there's little moments that stuck out to me that were so him that were like there's a part where he throws he's, he's in um he's in jada pickett smith's office and he throws a chair through a glass window mm. and then immediately after throwing it through the window jumps through the window himself which has now been destroyed but then falls over the chair it's such a <laughs> like specific insane thing that i was like like it seems like oh was that an accident they didn't it's like no i'm sure that he like planned that and had it all perfectly executed exactly the way he wanted to do it but it's just a very physical moment that's that's fascinating. And another moment was when he at the end the reveal of him on the back of the train, where he just like kind of gets up right at just the right moment. He stands up on the back of the train. Oh my god, it's so it's so great. It's just so him. By the end of the movie, he's he's not no longer human. He's like a Terminator yeah. or a shark or something. Where you like he's just moving and going, and you can't like all of the humanity has been drained out of that character yeah not that he had much to begin with but right but that moment though like when he stumbles over the chair like brought a right. little bit of humanity back to yeah it's like oh wow like he's he's not quite the terminator but he is like almost like he he reminds me he's like some, even some, some of his movements were like kind of like uh the t-1000 and t2 totally and he and robert patrick are in the hall of fame of movie runners yeah <laughs> absolutely oh, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> Like Robert Patrick, him dashing down the little <laughs> the little overpass or whatever is so yeah. so great. Uh, oh my god! You guys, what about this... a prequel set in San Francisco with the the last time he killed the cabbie? Any time? Have you thought about that? Any time? Right? Any, yeah, I would like, take that. It's just any day of the week. It's like where, and again to quickly digress back to prey. It was like someone was like, "Wouldn't it be good to see the predator go here?" Let's just like pick a country, pick a time. It's like yes, it would be. Let's do one of those every two years. I'll go back and I'll watch it again. It's easy as long as there's not any CGI rubbish that uh, takes away from the location itself. But yeah, no, totally. I would love, like, I mean, look, they're going back to do a bullet prequel. How can't we do a collateral prequel, you know? Yeah. yeah. He gets away. God, that would be a fight. Who would play him? Still Glenn. Cruz. Cruz. He's aging in reverse. He'll be fine. He can That's do true. it. I know. Oh, yeah, he can do it. If he can God. have the wavy hair. Mission eight, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, no, just, I just, uh, we can keep mission for that hair. But yeah. Do you no, guys no, know no. the story about the training with the the post it that Michael Mann did with Cruz? I don't think so. And months getting into the zone to a point where you can just be the character. Michael creates that environment, and then as an actor, you just have to be able to keep creating it, creating it, creating it, creating that character. I'm a big believer in whatever the central activity that a character is supposed to do in his life, that an actor should be able to do it. To really understand it and understand the character. So I designed a program. And I used somebody that I also used in Heat, Mick Gould. It's important that we look every time. He's ex SAS, British Special Air Service, and kind of an expert in close quarter combat with the kind of training he would have had if he had spent, you know, eight or 12 years in Special Forces. Blanks. Because actors use blank guns, then they, they pretend to feel like what happens when it actually goes off, and it's a whole different deal. I mean, once you cock that weapon and there's a live round inside there, and you suddenly put it down your trousers and you go, wow. <laughs> I mean, you hit somebody right in here, they're, they're down and out. You hit somebody right down in here, they're, they're in deep shit. Run left to right, right, left to right, left to right. 
Yeah, but that guy seemed pretty down to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that guy was still twisting. That guy was still twisting around. I saw him reaching for his gun. Hey. Give me one of those cross-eyed looks. I said, you know. Yeah, we were using live, live ammo. It was great. The training on this, building this character from the ground up, really added a dimension. This is what he does. He just does it. It's an extension of who he is. And for the actor then, when he's on a set and he's firing blanks, he, he does not firing blanks in his mind. He's firing live ammunition. This is really happening. Yo, homie. Is that my briefcase? There's a scene in which two people assault Vincent, not realizing who they're assaulting. And Vincent draws and shoots both of these guys. And it's in 1.3 seconds. He had to be from Mr. Nice Guy to the extreme of aggression at the snap of a finger. That's difficult. So it did actually take three months to get that flip over. The real value of it is what it does to the actor believing in himself. Cry's not here. And it, it projects in a much deeper way into character. He can become very quiet and we will look at the screen and we will feel that man is totally in command. He's a quick draw. I'm here to tell you right now, Tom Cruise is a quick draw. If he'd have been an old west, he'd have had some notches on his belt. The man is fast. As an assassin, you must be economical in your moves. The fight scenes were choreographed even months ahead of time, and we just keep working them. It was big enough that I like it without the punches better. I like it better with the, uh, the open hand. This way. Yeah. And so everything that Tom does in the picture, that's not stunt work. Tom did it all for real. Of course, there are no cuts in it. We've been doing it for the last three months every morning. We worked with him every day for weeks, and he was always there. He would work out for an hour prior, stretch and warm up. And he was so diligent about, if I'm not doing something right, tell me. If, if his leg was a quarter of an inch off a mark while we're working out a fight sequence, he wants to know, is everything perfect? It almost is like a dance. Every move has to be balanced. As you go through the scene, he's not focused on these bodyguards and the people he's got to take out. He's got a vision. He's got a vision 200 feet away. And he's got to look like it's all automatic response, and he's always in charge of the situation. Butcher it. So they had um, Michael Mann's uh, military guy. He has like these British military advisors, but he um, was like training crews to, you know, do a hit on someone and like be unnoticed and to like go into a crowded space. So Cruz in fucking 2005 or whatever, you know, is he wearing a FedEx outfit? He dresses Blake? in a courier outfit, yeah. Like, I he, don't know if it's UPS or FedEx or like, something like that. So he like dresses in brown like, uniforms, like with a brown yeah, so hat he's, and all that. He's sort of in, stuff. you know, like a UPS outfit. He goes to Grand Central Market in downtown LA. You guys know Grand Central Market. Yeah. It's like a big, huge food court. It's very crowded. And he, what he has to do is like sneak up on someone and put like a post-it on their back. 
and yeah, and, and then he he's gotten the hit on them so he has he so tom cruise biggest movie star in the world <laughs> goes into grand central market and is like super stealthy and like you know puts the post-it on someone's back and then gets out and leaves and it's like his training for being like a stealthy wow. Hitman, but it's like, how on earth did no one notice? I, I hope he signed him at least. I hope it said less gotcha with an exclamation point <laughs> yes. and Tom Cruise. Oh, <laughs> I want one of those guys. You, know you know what the postman said. Exceptional. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh Exceptional. my God. PC. That's what he signed, I'm sure. <laughs> but no, that, like, that's what I mean about those obsessive guys because they, you know, the big. <laughs> And I also really love that, I don't, thank God for the internet, but like people going collateral. Yeah, it's Vincent Collateral. That's his name. <laughs> Vincent Collateral. Oh my God. <laughs> Even our great friend Bill Gabiri says Vincent Collateral all the time. I'm like, why are you doing this, Bill Gabiri? You're stirring the pot. <laughs> but yeah, so no, uh, those two guys together working, you know, Michael Mann talked about even getting a, you know, the, the gray suit, it's slightly badly tailored because he wanted to show that he'd come from somewhere like Thailand or something like that, or somewhere in Southeast Asia where they'd kind of knocked off a famous, you know, suit, but it's not like an Italian suit doesn't. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fit to perfection. It's good, but not great. But he also wanted him to have that kind of Neil McCauley thing of like gray suit, white shirt, short hair, not very memorable. Everything says not memorable. So they create this guy, gray hair, kind of very bleeds into your normal nine to five commute kind of person. Um, and they had so much backstory around him. They had all this like trade craft. And obviously Cruz is a guy who's like used weapons and driven cars and done stunts. So he gets all of that just effortlessly. But yeah, man, that collateral is something that we've continued to talk about because they share so many like commonalities as far as like crew and things like that and people that, and, and, right there in man's big digital um digital shift um so we, we've talked about a lot but cruise is just epic and I, I i think if you say your favorite moments or people say their favorite moments in collateral it's always something different because for me it's not just it's not ever the um it's not just like one moment it's like if you just see him in the cab talking to jamie fox's max it's just him in the cab is like the tom cruise as a not leading character it's the side character it's all this flash it's all this e-ching and flipping out money and like you know like it's just it's so great it's well you know we're we're Thanks. obsessed with his uh his close-up magic skills so i thought i feel like the, the <laughs> money is sort of an extension of that which we saw in the first mission possible and we will see again in <laughs> mission impossible dead reckoning uh next summer yeah does he actually have close-up magic skills yeah yeah oh yeah wow yeah. He, yeah. he makes the he makes the disc disappear i don't know if he knew it before the first mission impossible or if he learned it for that okay but i think he is a fan of magic or something i mean i i, I don't know I, I think i'm sure he's a fan i'm of magic. sure but you know him he probably spent like 10 months training to do all <laughs> that, that one scene for mission impossible and i'm sure he retained all that info and as you can see it's We're in the trailer for the new one yeah, we're we're fans of Ethan's sort of 
supplemental skills that don't really work that well in spycraft but are just kind of fun embellishments he's got a photographic memory he draws really well we love the he drawing close skills. Up magic does yeah well. he also has an uncanny yeah. ability to die and come back to life he's done that a couple times <laughs> yes. he's dead That's for like six a... minutes in mi3 i think it's some crazy number <laughs> Oh my god, he's like a zombie. I love, went, yeah. I love how you went from he can do card tricks and then he comes back to life. Like, yeah. I, these are his skills. He's got close up magic skills and he is uh Jesus. So, those yeah. are two things that That's he JC and TC. They can, like, can also come back from the dead. He can hold his breath underwater for six minutes or whatever. And, yeah. yeah, what the hell? Well, I'm weirdly obsessed with close up magic too. It, and magic is just storytelling. And it's cinema. It's just visual storytelling. Listen, you go yeah. to the Magic Castle, you become obsessed with close-up magic. <laughs> well, I, the, I've he, never been. He tells a story uh, in our next week's interview with uh, with Maggie Q. She tells a story about him like making a sandwich appear out of nowhere, and that like she says that, like Brett Ratner had another incident with him where where it was another. I forget what the item was, but also just made this item appear right in front of them. And she, they thought it was so funny. And I, and, and I, I, Drew and I are speculating about it. And we're like, I, I think he was doing close-up magic just to fuck with them. Yeah. So anyway, you'll, you'll, I'm butchering the story, but you'll, if you hear next week's episode. I think it's more of a power power move, but whatever it is. It's he just like, like talk to them and be like, good. oh my God. He's like, oh, BLTs are so great. Don't you love BLTs? And they'll be like, what? Uh, yeah, sure, I like BLTs. And then suddenly he just has a BLT in his hand. And they're like, wait, how did that get there? So I think he's just fucking with them and doing close-up magic. That's my theory. Maybe his assistant is Chris Angel. You know, like <laughs> thinks about a BLT yes. and then a BLT appears, you know, like it's just right yes. there in his hand. Sorry, I just, I can't stop thinking about Brett Ratner being befuddled by Tom Cruise doing close of magic. <laughs> I'm sure he's befuddled by a lot of things, but yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I keep trying to picture this scenario and I'm like having a hard time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's an alternate universe where where Brett Ratner directed Mission Impossible Three. Wait, was he supposed to? He was. Cruz he was, was offered it. Cruz was talking to him about it. All right. Well, but I think when Joe Carnahan fell apart, they talked to a few different names. I can't remember who else he they talked to before JJ, but we talked about it in our making of MI3 episodes. Oh we, my dug, God. we dug up the info then. <laughs> These guys oh, are going into people's personal storage containers for copies of scripts and getting them uh, fixed <laughs> by technicians so that they can read them. And then and, and yeah, Charles is I, let me... reformatting a yes. uh, formatting an Oliver Stone Mission Impossible 2 script from scratch. Hungry. Yeah, let me tell you, reformatting Robert Towns' draft of the first mission was the most tedious bullshit I've ever had to deal with. And I can't believe I did it for this dumb show. <laughs> <laughs> This, hey, how dare The only you thing more tedious know. is reading it. Do we have a rim shot, a rim shot on, the, uh, on the soundboard? I know. No, okay. uh, all I've got I, is this. Exceptional. That's all I've got. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had a couple of things to ask, which is it was there was a character that popped up in your new episode who is, is he the co writer? This is like the co-writer of uh, Dead Reckoning and Dead Reckoning Part 2. What was his name? Eric Jendrison. Eric Jendrison, right. Because he was like, yeah. he was there, but he was only sort of chatting intermittently because you had like murderers row, you know, Mark Gaddis and 
and Nick Offerman and then the Tarzan and the, the boys, the bus boys just jumping in and, and all those sorts of things. And then Eddie and uh, McHugh and all those sorts of things. But um, I love how there's a moment. I think it happened with both of you where you kind of like realize that, oh, this guy might like let something slip and you got turned. Yeah. You both kind of like virtually turned on him. Like, oh wait, this guy's going to say some shit. And then he's not as evasive as Macquarie. And you went at him and then Macquarie's like, hmm, yeah, interesting what Eric just said now. Hmm, yeah. Oh, that's the definition he just gave you. Hmm. And you could almost tell like Macquarie's texting him on the Zoom. Like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> they were actually the only people who they were in the same room together those two oh right oh they so were the he's only ones kicking him under the table yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> but yeah i think eric i i don't know i mean mccrory has not had a co-writer on rogue nation or or fallout so i don't i don't but i seems like maybe he'll have a co-writer for these two it's a lot of work. I think there are other writers that he bats around ideas with. I think one of them ha actually has a credit on The Mummy, but uh, I think Eric will have a credit on both of these movies and apparently on the, the movie that they're working on after eight, um, the undisclosed gnarly Tom Cruise movie that we could not get anything out of him about. This other than the word gnarly. Other than the word gnarly. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that. Gnarly Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, now that, yeah. Russia, yeah. now that Russia has vacated the International Space Station, is Tom Cruise going to space? That's what I want to know. I have to know. The timing just seems very weird. We've been trying to figure it out. We've been we've seen that there were were launches that were being earmarked for his possible involvement that have come and gone. So yeah, we we can't figure it out. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now we're ba badgering now we're, you. Now You're the <laughs> I'm, I'm the Drew. Yeah. <laughs> the answer you're gonna give us. We um, wish we knew more. I don't. I yeah. I'm. I'm like. I, I'm worried that movie's not gonna happen. I don't know when it will happen. I mean, they're gonna be shooting Mission until I think the end of next year. I think. Wow. Shooting eight until next year. Wow. Yeah. I thought that were further along. Simon Pegg said something about it on an interview recently. He said. I'll be shooting Mission until October of next year, I think is what he said. Wow. Listen, if they have two years to finish this movie, they're going to use two years to finish Oh, yeah, the movie. you take the take. I mean, they <laughs> were shooting stuff for seven last weekend, so just think about that, you know. Well, well, what did Eddie Hamilton say? This is the thing that blew me away, and this is why I love your show and why I recommend it to everyone who's listening to this episode now, but everyone I talk to about your show is you guys were chatting to Eddie Hamilton about editing stuff for Top Gun. And he talked about he was working tirelessly on some of the, you know, one of the trench run footages or something, something like that after one of the trench run days or one of the days that they're practicing dogfighting in the air. And he said, I worked for like nine hours and I'd edited like seven seconds of footage. And I was just <laughs> like, I was like, that's the, that's the toil. That's the perfection. That's like, you know, uh, like that's next level. That's next level obsession. And, and also then it also scales just how much footage that he had to scour through to get the absolute perfect shots. And it's like, well, that's why when you watch Top Gun Maverick and it's been sitting on a shelf for two years, it comes out and just blows every other anything out of the water. It's because they just take, if they've got the time and, and they can apply that level of care to it, it's going to be, it's going to be special. No, I was going to say that you, you said Tom is such a great filmmaker. I think Eddie is just as great of a filmmaker as well they're just so, they're so tuned in to what the audience needs what the movie 
needs and it's just it's amazing well, it's, it's amazing think, for us to be able to be there and sort of get it in real time what is going on with these movies pretty crazy well i think as as glenn powell said in the interview he said this this brain trust like i think it's the the it's the team of Cruz, mccory and eddie um and obviously the it's a slightly different team on maverick because joseph kaczynski's part of it and there's a different team for dead reckoning so we got eric genderson part of it but yeah there's an amazing brain trust there of they just know they're so in tune with what an audience wants. Yeah. I mean, as much as I sort of lament, like, you know, Cruz is no longer working with like, you know, he had his era of working with like Kubrick and um, Paul Thomas Anderson and Michael Mann and like doing working with all these great auteurs. And I'm like, oh, I want him to, you know, do something else. But I also don't want him to do something else. Yeah. They've got such a great team they've got you know they've got the this brain trust going on i love all the stuff they're doing together so it's like i'm good i'm good with this <laughs> just the fact that you know you were talking about how they take so much time and care and but that mccory was like i there's certain things i don't want to confirm in case we like just don't use that location like they will go and shoot a whole thing and then it's like oh maybe we won't yeah. actually be in iceland or wherever the fuck they're gonna be like they're they're just like it doesn't work and and that's how dedicated they are. you could tell listening to all of them that like storytelling and purpose and all of that is of the utmost importance to them like does this make sense for us to be in this location does this make sense for us to in this story and like i just feel like that we're we we're that is rare these days for having to you know to have people to be that thoughtful about storytelling yeah, I mean, there's just they, they, the amount of effort you feel that they put into every frame is so impressive. And I, I had that same thing. I think even in, early on in the podcast, you probably hear Drew and I talk about how, you know, we that same thing that people say that, like, oh, you wish Cruz would go back to, to working with other other directors and those big name directors he used to work. But it's like he worked with all of them. Yeah. Now he's on this role and they're doing this incredible work. They're like, you see the results of of the evolution from Rogue Nation to fall out to Top Gun Maverick and how in tune they are with what audiences want yeah. and bringing this kind of this level of emotion into these big action uh, movies. And it's like, I, nobody says to DiCaprio or, or, you know, back in the day to De Niro, like, oh, I wish you wouldn't work with Scorsese so much or whatever. You know, right, it's like, right. Like, I mean, it's just let them do their thing. They're just clearly yeah. they're onto something like let them do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I love that team and I'm like happy with all the output and and just like the state of the industry these days. I'm like, thank God we have a Top Gun Maverick. Thank God we have these Mission Impossible movies coming out. Otherwise, it's just going to be the gray man. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Sorry. Sorry to that man. <laughs> took us. You took us. <laughs> I took us to the dark place again. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get out of the dark place. <laughs> okay. Get out, get out, get out. <laughs> Well, look, I'm not going to keep you too much longer, gentlemen, and we're not going to keep you too much longer on the show. We just want to say, look, as as fellow podcasters who occasionally secure people, look out at, you know, when I'm not sure what's going to hit be better is our Dominic Lombardozzi episode or your Tom Cruise episode. We'll have to see that in the analytics. But um, what I would just say is you guys are legends. We're so proud of you as buddies as fellow podcasters your show is amazing and uh, i feel like there's a great kinship between 
Miami Nice and Light the Fuse. And um, you guys are just doing amazing stuff and we're so proud. And I'm so proud that you guys shared your little teaser with me before. And I'm literally the person, like, I would have racked up like 98% of the views before it was actually formally released because I literally probably watched it as many times as you did. Damn it! Um, so, <laughs> so, so I'll go back and gas up those numbers and watch it. Uh, okay. <laughs> But um, I just want to say, like, it's awesome to talk to you guys. It's super fun. We're so proud of you. And it's just like the cool, it's just the coolest thing ever. You gave, you gave the people what they wanted in the best possible way. And you're both of your continuing enthusiasm to be both completely behind enemy lines and seeing everything and how the sausage is made and still loving the final product and being excited to talk about it is just really admirable and awesome. So thank you so much for talking to us on Miami Nice. You guys, you guys rule. You guys are this no, you guys rule. Yeah, you rule. Thank you so much for having us. And yeah, it's just it's uh, yeah, I definitely feel that kinship with you. And it's been awesome to to show up and do this for you with you and have you on our show as well. We'd love that. Yeah, we, yeah, we got Katie. Katie we got to get Katie on our yeah, show get now. Katie on the show next. Legends only. I'd yeah. love to do it. Legends only. Legends only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Legends only. Um, I would just say also, uh. Drew, thank you for whoever your buddy was. I'm not sure if we said his name earlier or her name earlier about the Burj Khalifa of bad bits. Yes. That is, <laughs> yes. Yes. That phrase is so good. And listen, that was, yeah, it's the, that was my good friend, Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. He's a, he's a researcher for Colbert. And so he knows a good bit from a bad bit. And he knows the Burj Khalifa from uh, of bad bits. So. That, no, I think it was God. it was it was great. Everything about the bit ended up working because it was a it was a disaster, which I appreciated. But it also gave us these amazing, <laughs> this amazing insight, these amazing stories that we would never have heard. I mean, we on our own, we probably would have never said, "Oh, tell us about color money." But through the bit, he told us that. So it ended up working better than anything we could have imagined. So yeah, it was uh, it was an attempt at like trying to get exactly what we got which is like you know just trying to get him to talk about different parts of his career there's just so much to talk about and so yeah it was so interesting to have him particularly he was struck by Ridley Scott and legend and and the sin you know what Ridley Scott did with the set you know shoot uh, how he shot the sets for for legend I mean, it's just it, it's so fascinating and hearing him talk about the the developing visual style of all the different uh pool sequences and color of money I mean it was just yeah it was just so awesome to hear those little tidbits and uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully we can get him again and we'll, we'll, we'll keep prying him for more. And Drew will relentlessly hassle him for more stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> I think he liked balls. it. It's the funnest. It's the funnest. Well, I think he, I think he responds. I mean, if anyone is going to respond to unwavering enthusiasm, it's Tom Cruise. Yes. Absolutely. So I feel like we do have a kinship in that regard of just nonstop support for what he's doing and appreciation and not in a kiss assy no. way i don't think so um but um i think the level of effort yeah. too i mean it's just like we've been doing one episode a week for four years on this on mission impossible it's pretty insane yeah. <laughs> it is a truly impossible mission that you have done it, it's i'm going to give you the greatest compliment i've ever received i received it from michael mann oh was, okay let's hear it it was i compliment your obsessions <laughs> thank you and i compliment your obsessions because when michael mann the most obsessive human <laughs> on the planet except for maybe tom cruise says, I, compliment your obsessions, I was like yeah 
that I did it. That means something. That yeah. actually yeah. means something. So yeah, you guys are doing great work. If you guys aren't listening to Light Diffuse, do it immediately. There is a, a like a, a a huge bevy of incredible filmmakers and talent that have come on to talk about everything uh, to do with mission and all the different missions. And you can choose your own adventure. And if you have a favorite mission, you can literally just go and find the interviews about that. Um, so yeah, look. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Get Katie on there for the Lonely Podcast. Yes, and, we will. And- I feel like I wanted to. I wanted to talk about Collateral a lot more. I, I watched it last <laughs> night. And I was so excited to it. It's like we talked for like two seconds yeah. about it, and then just yeah, talked yeah. about Tom Cruise the whole time. We can do this again, but again, the Purge Khalifa <laughs> of Bad Bits gives us this on my soundboard forever. Michael Mann, exceptional. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs>